Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks. Thanks for stopping by. And we'll be, we will be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But right now you can give us a call 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. With any kind of questions, concerns, or comments related to plant materials or your outdoors or whatever it happens to be. So, and Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes, tomorrow's Fourth of July, correct? Yes. So, you're going to shoot off fireworks? Mm, I don't think so. I've got some bottle rockets that have been around for a few years. I might try those. <laughs> See if they still work. Yeah, but I, I kind of doubt it. We'll probably go to a display. We're not sure where just yet, but we're. I'm off on Monday. So this is one 4th of July. Can actually Party go out and, and not lay there in bed here and boom, boom, boom. <laughs> right. Shut up. Get off my lawn. But, uh, so, but we'll actually go out and probably see some fireworks somewhere. All right. What Sounds a great, great day for it today. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of that, there's about oh. 10 school buses that must be loaded with uh, people for the parade. There they are. Man. All oh, right. Man. Probably some bands showing up, something along those lines. Exactly. It's a big day. Big day. <laughs> and it's only the eve. I know. <laughs> I know. July 4th is one of those things that you should get the day off on Monday, right. like the day afterwards, sure. because the party's at night. <laughs> right. It'd be like making you go to work on New Year's Day after New Year's <laughs> Eve. No, you can't do that. So it's a, it's a good uh, thing that Monday's the holiday. Absolutely. Yep. All right. And it is a holiday, not today, but very close. This is Saturday morning, and we get together and have a discussion about your yards, your landscape, your specialty garden space, your house plants, potting mixes, improving your soil. Should you be worried about pruning this time of year? Should you be worried about uh, what kind of pruning you're doing, whether you're doing shearing or just selectively taking some twigs out or whatever it happens to be. And what are those bugs that kind of look like a shield? I think they call them stink bugs. Oh, no, not stink bugs. And uh, the information I'll share with you and uh, hopefully will help you orchestrate the best option for you. But the final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you having me on your show. And... uh, whether, wherever you happen to be listening. So another very important player is Alex. He's producing. He runs the board, answers the phone. So if you do happen to call in, uh, all he needs is your first name and where you're calling from. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline. And by the way, I'm Mike Miller. 
since 1994. And I do landscape consultations, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk evaluation, consultation, whatever you want to call it, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. The Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I left a little early because I didn't know what it was going to be exactly like. So I pulled off a 55 on Walnut Street and went past the old cathedral and found a place to park. Although I parked illegally, where I parked, it said you had to have a special permit to park there. But I figured since it's so early, who's going to come around and see if I got my special permit? But anyways, very near Ballpark Village, and that place was absolutely a buzz. And that was at 7th and Walnut. There's so many golf carts and people getting into the golf carts, scooters all over the place waiting to be rented. And then, of course, there was a huge amount of unloading and unloading of everything possible. And a, a nice thing, too, along there, there's some Boston Ivy, which covers some fencing. And then behind the fencing, that's a restaurant, and that's you can see some white birch trees up over the top of it. Locust trees are the street trees along there. Oh, no, Market Street is closed. But it was really nice to look east from 7th and uh, see the old courthouse and the arch and the way the, the sun and everything was so bright. It was just a, the classic look. Other directions as you turned around was so many different kinds of architecture of high rises and things along that line. Along the uh, city park, which is along Mar- Market Street, Marching bands were already getting themselves set up and, you know, trying to get things coordinated because it was still early. It was like probably around 630. And as Brian said, the parade doesn't start till 10. But uh, there was lots of people down there getting their places reserved along the route so nobody could get in front of them or anything else. And some visitors were getting, as I said before, their space along the barrier fences. News trucks were all over the place, cameras, staff, and they appeared ready to go as well. Birds were chirping and saying, what is going on? And they didn't realize it was July 3rd. All office buildings basically had uh, fencing and barriers to keep you from getting up close to the office building. So you're kind of squeezed onto the public sidewalks and everything else. There are plenty of Johnny on the spots and hand washing stations as well. And all of a sudden, I see there's a big truck there. More scooters were being dropped off. So I'm curious, when you're in a big crowd and you're going to try to ride a scooter scooter through a big crowd, that could be a little bit dangerous, it seems like. Some uh, new or more orange cones being placed. The echo effect went beyond Clark, westward to Tucker, and blinking stoplights, temporary stop signs, Parking around Soldiers Memorial is restricted. So, I mean, it's coming that far away from where the parade actually starts. I'm not exactly sure what the starting point is. Uh, People's clothes, banners, flags, markers, all singing red, white, and blues. It is the 4th of July weekend, and party on, everybody. Just be careful and, you know, don't get too wild. Don't get too crazy, whether you're riding a scooter or anything else that you choose to do. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. 
1-800-925-1120. If you have any kind of questions, comments, or concerns, the phone lines are open. So please give us a call if you like. And uh, in your own landscape right now, keep an eye out. If you do have roses for any kind of damage to your rose foliage, and I'm not just talking about rose rosette. That's where they start. You know, the roses, it's an internal disease, and it causes the roses to do some really strange growth, kind of a purplish-reddish stems coming up with just a huge amount of thorns on them. And once your rose has rose rosette, it's gone. you got to get rid of it because it can be spread by spider mites being blown from the one where they've been feeding on an infected shrub, rose, or not just shrub roses, any kind of rose can get this. And uh, then it can blow onto one that's unaffected, but then as soon as it starts feeding, this is a spider mite, then it basically goes and injects this problem into the new rose that it just was blown to by the wind, and then you got real trouble and real problems. So that's something. Keep fertilizing your annuals every two weeks, and I'm pretty, I've been pretty loyal about doing that. I've been a little disappointed with uh, some of the annuals that I've gotten this year. I tried a few that I hadn't tried before, which I do every year. But uh, I don't. I have some dahlias, the annual dahlias. I don't have the tuberous-type dahlias, but uh, they're just, I mean, they're kind of <laughs> boring. And uh, it takes them forever to come back from uh, even if I deadhead them and everything else. So anyway, enough of that. Let's head over to David's yard. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, happy Saturday. Same to you. Hey, uh, <laughs> I, I probably get the prize for your millionth question about zoysia, but uh, I I got a patch in my front lawn that seems gotten to be pretty big where it's not growing well. When I looked on the uh, uh, Missouri Botanical Garden website, they have a photo that almost exactly matches it, and they said that photo was of the uh, billbug infestment. Yes, and I mean that that's conduce that's one of the major problems with the zoysia. People don't understand that the, you know the grubs and many other things they can be in the soil, but they don't impact the zoysia like the bill bugs. So you're gonna have so to, I oh go ahead. I've applied some lawn insecticide, but I don't I can't tell if it's doing anything. Is there a specific one? that would help rid me of these things? No, really not. And, uh, I mean, it's not, there's, it's what's going to happen is if you get them killed finally, and uh, what you will with the insecticide recovery is a long involved process. So those areas that have been impacted by these things, you might have to think about getting some Zoy, you know, some Zoysia sod or some Zoysia plugs or take plugs out of your existing lawn that wasn't hit by these bugs and uh, reestablishing it in the spot because it's going to take forever if you let it try to migrate back and and make it so it looks, let's say, right or green or good. Yeah, I was afraid of that. So how uh, how do I know they don't? These bugs won't keep migrating further and further out into the lawn. Well, hopefully, you just didn't put it, you know. Right, uh, you know, in the spot, you should probably go out about two or three feet beyond the border that's uh, where the damage is obvious. And then they're not going to be beyond that too much because if they were, they would start doing some damage and it would be showing up in these other spots. Gotcha. So I should probably 
spray some more, you think? It says I can do it every two weeks. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't have any problem doing that at all, for sure. And uh, if you want to take a look at it, if you have a magnifying glass or something, just get down on your hands and knees, and the area where it transitions from adequate or good-looking zoysia to the horrible-looking stuff, right at that zone, just kind of scratch a little bit. And, I mean, these are really small bugs, so you it's not something that you're going to be able to see if you don't, like, I mean, you can see them without a magnifying glass, but it's still going to be a little bit rougher. Yeah, so they're real, they're, they're like tinier than ticks? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, it seems like that's what I've got, so I'll, uh, I'll keep working at it. And you're right, I'll probably have to get some sod in here. Right. And also, you know, the rest of your zoys, are you fertilizing? Yeah, I mean, I that looks great where this, you know, except for this spot and another right. spot in the backyard looks like it might be getting the, the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, I, I fertilized twice this year already. All right. Well, great. Yeah, they're really a disaster as for once they get into your, you know, zoys and lawns. Yeah, I'm figuring that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, sir. Sure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you've got any kind of trees or shrubs that have been planted within the year, make sure that we've had a lot of, you know, we've had adequate finally. We had a great spring moisture-wise. Then we had that really dry spell where everything really went downhill and a lot of the newly planted stuff, if you weren't keeping up with the watering, really did go downhill pretty quickly. So just understand that that's the case. And plants that have just been recently installed within a year, their root system's just not adequate enough to get the moisture that they need. So unless you're giving it, basically you're, you're feeding them like a baby is what you're doing. So that's what you're, you know, what you're doing. Also keep up with the weeding and don't let your weeds go to seed. That's when they become real problematic. Because that, you know, that means post-emergent control, meaning stuff that's actually adequate or growing. You can use an herbicide on or you can hand dig or something along that line. And or, you know, you might have to start doing the pre-emergence depending upon what kind of weed you have. So just kind of keep up with the weeding circumstance. And it, it's amazing how prolific they happen to actually be. And if you have a cool season lawn, which is a fescue or a bluegrass type, Definitely don't do any kind of fertilizing this time of year. None. Don't fertilize it because you're going to force some growth. We are going to head back into probably a normal time, normal type summer where the temperatures are going to be really high. Your grass is going to be stressed out and then forcing it with the fertilizer to do stuff that it shouldn't be doing when it's that hot. That's going to be trouble for your lawn just in general. Let's head over now to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. Hi. Mike, love your show. Well, Listen thanks. to you all the time. Well, thank I you. Got, I, I got a question about uh, cutworms. How do they originate, and what's the best way to get rid of them? Basically, if you see them, just, you know, insecticidal soap or something like that. I mean, spray directly onto them. So do you okay. know you have them for sure? Yeah, I've, I get them every year on my tomato plants, okay. and, uh, I'm, you know, I can see some little droplets ah. and uh 
But, uh, you know, I've tried uh, uh, seven dust in years past, and, you know, that stuff is, you know, kind of blows off and <laughs> gets everywhere, you yeah. know what I mean? So insecticidal soap would be better, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, go and check them, you know, early in the morning and later in the day because that's when they're going to be the more active. Yeah, you know, I get them when they're big. <laughs> you know, oh. <laughs> I'll burn them up. <laughs> I'll cut them off and burn them up. But uh, yeah, they're they're always every year they devastate my uh, tomato plants, and wow. so uh, I just you know I don't know you know sometimes I can see them you know because they get really big fast. You right, know? they're fast growers. But uh, okay, insecticidal soap and and how many times can I apply that or, or pretty is it much best to apply it in the mornings. Yeah, you can or, do it. Yeah, basically, just you know, read the label, and it's going to have probably some kind of restrictions on you know, don't apply if the t- you know the air temperature is this high because it can cause some problems for the foliage in in okay. and of itself. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you can really, I mean, it's safe enough that you can use as needed. So, but it's not a preventative. So, in other words, you can't just spray it and say, okay, that if a you know cutworm or whatever gets there and just you know shows up. Then it's going to kill it, but you got to spray really directly onto the, you know, to the problem. Yeah, they're 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 really cool looking uh, little, uh, well, big <laughs> bugs. But <laughs> I, I, I always thought, well, I can't seem to uh, stop them. Is there any homemade remedies that you might suggest? Uh, not that I can think of. <laughs> okay. To, to actually okay. stop. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate your information. Okay. Thank you. Great. Well, yeah, thanks. Good one. Yep, thanks for having me on your show. Now let's head over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Scott, yeah, good morning. There? Yeah, go ahead. I am. Yeah, um, we had a maple tree, and it just died, and I just was curious, would you have any idea why that would happen? We live in Webster, not not that it matters one way or another. I mean, never had any issues all these years, and all of a sudden it just, I looked out there and it was gone. Wow. That's for it to happen that quick. I mean, that's uh, a, a rare circumstance. There has been, you Wouldn't know. When you think it would, you would think that, I mean, some kind of disease or something. I mean, I mean, because like I said, uh, this is a house that's been in the family since my grandfather had it built Whoa. in 1917. And that, and that tree, I literally fall in that category of, I mean, I we grew up just blocks from, you know, from my grand grandmother and, uh, as far as I know, you know, that tree's, it, it's been there, you know, I'm, in, I'm in my 60s, and all of a sudden I looked out and it's gone. I mean, this, this, uh, you know, this uh, spring. So I was just curious, would you have any, what, what would be your educated guess? Well, I mean, for something, to, for a tree, regardless of the age or anything else, to die that quickly, uh, it has, you know, it was probably weakened. Maybe you just weren't conscious of it. And then it just yeah. kind of, with the weather and everything else, just kind of pushed it over the edge. But this spring, there was a disease called anthracnose, and that was affecting okay. a lot of the trees early on. Now, many of the trees, if they were healthy and younger, they recovered from it. But initially, it was making some of the trees look scary because if you'd look up into the tree and there was hardly any leaves on them. And the sycamores yeah, was... And that was the case, yeah. There, there's nothing there. So, what I'm, what we're banking on, what with all the wind damage that you know came through St. Louis, what is it? Guys, you lose track. It's been a couple of weeks now. Um, I one of the suggestions that I w- was talking with somebody was like, yeah, I would if you can. I'd wait until to till winter when people tree cutters are going to need need work, 
and then you get a better deal on cutting it down. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be expensive for sure, and especially yeah, you know, and if it's dead wood, hopefully it's not going to be something that. You know, if we do have another windstorm or something that's going to, you know, knock some of the branches down, it would do some damage to your patio or to your home or to cars or whatever it happens to be. Right. It, well, it happens to be along the front sidewalk, and um, I, yeah, I'm not a good judge at height, but, uh, I mean, standard maple tree, uh, what, um, I don't know, 60 feet is that? Probably not 60 feet. I, I don't know exactly Yeah, probably 30 is, plus, but, but uh, yeah, they're not yeah, quite as big yeah. as some of the other trees. Yeah, somebody, some, and again, just speaking with somebody, just ballpark, we're saying you're probably looking at, you know, 1,200, something like that. And uh, I just thought that uh, we're not going to do anything right now. And, and, and if we wait when they need, when work is needed to be done, that uh, winter would work. Right. But anthrax is what you think it pro- would be your educated guess. And I'm just curious. I mean, it's there, and then all of a sudden it didn't. And then, like you said, it's like people who, um, get something that uh, uh, a medical thing, they, they don't pay attention to the symptoms and all of a sudden they're, uh, you know, have, you know, something really bad. So same thing with a uh, tree. Pro- it's been there for a while. We really didn't notice it. Right. And then all of a sudden now we notice that uh, he's no longer, or I say he, he, she, <laughs> it, it's no longer with us. So. Right. <laughs> so well, sorry well, I, to hear, I, but... I thank you very much. Well, yeah, I mean, you know what it is, what it is. And, and, uh, I've heard your show many, many times, and uh, especially with a tree, um, well, just like anything, when it's dead, it's dead. So um, we we will address it and uh, at a later date, and hopefully that'll be good. Because yeah, especially living in living in Webster, Kirkwood, what have you, like that. When you when you have the big windstorms, there's not a darn thing you can do but uh, uh, hope nothing bad happens. And uh, <laughs> we've been fortunate. So, Very so, true. So I do listen to your show all the time, and. Uh, and I love it, and uh, thank you very much, and have a, have a great, safe 4th of July. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, luckily you had, uh, I mean, almost 100 year. well, not quite 100, but if you said your grandfather built a house in uh, 1917 or something like that, so, I mean, that tree's maybe not planted in those first few years, but uh, still, that's a very old tree, and it brought you many years of uh kind of grace and everything else. So it's unfortunate, but uh, things do have lifespans. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, uh, if you remember just a couple of minutes ago, I said no fertilizer on a cool season lawns on fescues and bluegrasses. Also, do not fertilize any kind of trees or shrubs. This is not the time of year to be doing that because the problem is not necessarily something that's going to happen immediately, but when the nutrients and everything are absorbed, basically what it's going to do potentially is cause some growth, and that growth is going to be coming out as wintertime is coming. And then you got some major damage as a result of that. So no fertilizer after the 4th of July on trees or shrubs at all. Let's go go over to Sharon's house. Hi, Sharon. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? Very good. Good. I need your opinion on how to get rid of the Japanese beetles. I've been reading that the bags are not the best solution. Do you agree with that? Well, well, I mean, it's there's nothing that's going to be universal. So, I mean, it's, okay. there's no problem having the bags, but going after them individually, I mean, that's a good way to do it. So, I mean, there's 
anything you can do to get rid of them. So do you already have right. a bunch of them? You know what? I, I emptied my bag one time, and I put the second bag out um, at the beginning of this week, and there are not many in there this time. So I think I'm getting a grip on them. But I've also read, too, and I don't know that this is true, that, that they um, – like I would attract them all from the neighborhood. Does that sound right? Well, it can because I mean it, it, it does. Let's say entice them to come and then and get into yeah. the bag. But uh, right. I don't know that if somebody that has a Japanese beetle in their yard and it's two houses away, that's going to go. Oh, I smell a you know <laughs> and fly to your house because of that. I just I, you know, okay. Those kind of things okay. are just. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, they're bad. They're, I'm so glad I I caught them whenever I did, but um, but they are pretty nasty, and I hate whenever they get on my plants. So yes, okay, well, I hope you have a great yeah. Okay, well, have a great weekend and happy belated birthday. Well, thank you, thank you very much. You're- and now let's go over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hi there, Mike. Hi. Uh, I got a question about mixing chemicals. I bought some stuff last year or this spring to spray on my annual bluegrass to stop it from growing. And it said to mix it three ounces to a gallon of water for an acre. <laughs> and then it said to for a yard, after you get the three ounces in a gallon, take three ounces out of that gallon and then put into a, a gallon sprayer. Now, I don't know if you are following me on this, but does that work on all kinds of chemicals like that? Well, each every chemical is going to have a certain amount that you know when it's mixed is going to have coverage on a certain amount of space. So each mm-hmm. you know that's why you have to read the labels because all of them are different. So some yes, well, was, they said that the three ounces that I put into the sprayer would cover a thousand square feet. That's probably true. And then so if you had something that says two ounces to an acre. You put two ounces in a gallon jug, and then you take two ounces out of that gallon and put into your gallon sprayer. I guess you could, you know. I mean, and then that would cover a thousand square feet. Right, a thousand square feet isn't. I mean, it's a lot, but it's not a huge amount in relationship to no, it's not. The way these way these chemicals are put together. So uh-huh. this is exactly right. That's why I keep encouraging everybody to not assume anything at all and read the label and follow what the label says. Because yeah. I mean, these, these okay. chemical companies have spent a lot of time and energy before the product was even available to to be sold with these testings. Okay, now I'm, I'm reading on one here. It says 1.1 ounces to 1,000 square feet. Now, if a guy would put two ounces on there, that could do damage, I guess, huh? Well, it could, but uh, as long as you don't get extravagant, I mean, how are you going to get find 1.1 ounce? So as long yeah. as you just don't put it, let's say, five times the amount or something like that, because many times people will assume that if this amount works, then five times that amount is going to work, and that's not necessarily the case. A lot of times it causes way more trouble than it does good. Uh-huh. Well, what it is, I've got, it's either, they call it brown patch or zoysia patch. Okay. That's what I've got, and that's the chemical that I bought is supposed to take care of that. Right. But or again, it's going to, it could take a couple of years to finally eradicate the whole, you know, the whole circumstance. So it's not something that necessarily is going to happen in one growing season. Okay. Okay. Well, I just wanted to check on that mixture. Okay. On that. 
Thank you very much. Sure. And I, I mean, I'm proud that our, you know, congratulations to you to follow that closely and really do it the way they say to, because the majority yeah. of people don't. And that's where the a lot of times we create more problems than we do good when we're trying to get rid of a, a problem that's already there. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Mike. Have a nice holiday. You do the very same thing. And let's see. Should we go ahead and take? Yeah, let's go ahead and. Tom from Florissant, how are you today? Hey, Mike, how are you, sir? Very good. Hey, I have a um, two big, I guess they're oak trees in my backyard. And uh, we've never seen this till this year. There's like a fungus growing on the branches. They're left the size of golf balls, and they're all prickly and stuff. I just wonder if you might know what that is. Yeah, it's actually something called a gall, G-A-L-L. And it's a result of uh, there's a, a wasp that's not the classic type wasp that lives in the oak trees. And the female lays her eggs into the little twig branches. And what it does is that bloated growth that you're seeing, that actually occurs when the, when the eggs start hatching. And it's a protective mechanism for those, you know, wasp larvae. Okay. Yeah, my wife, had, somebody had told her something about wasps, but we weren't sure what they were talking about. So, I mean, they're dangerous. They're about, I don't know, maybe two to three pounds each. Whoa. So you... Yeah. They didn't occur. They just didn't occur this, this year if they're that big. I mean, you've had them for a long time. You just didn't notice them. Probably, yeah. I just didn't know if the, the tree was dying or anything like that. Well, it's detrimental to the tree, and especially if they're that large, because what it does is cause cracking in the branches, and then when moisture could possibly get in there, and then you get something called heartwood rot. So that's where the trouble comes when you... The gall in and of itself is trouble, but it's not deadly, but it can lead to, you know, other let's say, physical problems for the tree. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I was wondering what it was. and I mean, when they hit our porch, you can hear them hit. <laughs> um, good thing we have a uh, gazebo, or we probably have a lot of uh, bumps on our head. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> very true. All uh, right, you have a good... Have a good holiday, Mike. Yes, you do the very same thing. Yeah, the galls, I mean, it's they're pretty common. And the interesting thing is there's two major types of oaks. One's a white oak and one's a red oak. And consequently, the red oak group, which is the pin oaks, the red oaks, and others, they are the ones that get this problem with the galls, with this wasp living there. And the thing, the, the wasp, you know, if they grow up in a, let's say they're born in a tree, they generally stay in that tree or in trees that are very close by. So it's not like they migrate in great distances. And then consequently, the white oak group doesn't seem to get this gall problem at all. So these wasps don't like the white oak for some reason versus the red oak. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. We do have phone lines open, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. We're heading over to Dave's yard. Dave, how are you today? I'm great, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> um, I heard about the galls. I've got these two beautiful pin oaks in my front yard that are just um, inundated with these galls. 
Can I fix them or? Uh, basically, what, what you can do is you can have tree services come out. They can do an injection system, which will help some. But the the galls that are there are there. They're not. I mean, there's right. not, nothing you can do about that. What you're going to be trying to do is to prevent them from getting more numerous than what they are now. I mean, every day, and also the what's making the the leaves come down in small branches. Is, well, sometimes that's those? yeah. Sometimes that's squirrels. They're up there. They okay. don't. I mean, they got to be constantly chewing. But uh, look at the twigs as uh, you know as, as they've fallen on the ground. And if let's say the cut on the twig where it's been let's say dismantled from its uh, mother tree branch or whatever is at a forty-five degree angle, then that's generally going to be a squirrel that's doing that. So I got two problems then. Right, exactly. So the squirrels, and the squirrels do it, I mean, just to chew because they need to chew. But also, I mean, they're starting to get ready. They're smart enough to start, if they're a new, let's say, new squirrel, baby squirrel that's just now realizing, oh, i got to build a house for wintertime and that kind of stuff. So they're doing it for potentially two different reasons. One, just to chew because they have to. And second is to make something so they can have protection during the wintertime. So the tree's like 70 years old. What's what's the longevity of like a, a pin oak? Uh, you're getting, I mean, pretty much near the end of it. Wow. So they're not looking very healthy, plus I got squirrels and these big gulls. <laughs> no. I, I mean, they're beautiful trees. I hate to lose them, but how much longer do you think can I keep something like that? Well, I mean, they can go on. There can be some that last for much longer than that, and there could be some that didn't even last as long as this. So it's, it's a real tough, I mean, it's individual setting, individual tree, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's no way to really know. And it's kind of, it's kind of a lot in my neighborhood. I've seen a lot of trees like this. Right, exactly. So can't get rid of the squirrels, can you? <laughs> well, I I have people that's you know they have professional services come out and they trap them and then the trappers take them and release them in parks, which I don't know if that's the best thing to do. But uh, there's not I mean, there's not too much else you can do. Okay, I appreciate your time. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you. Yep. And I don't think we should try to squeeze in another call. So Cheryl, Harold, Anna, and Jerry will have to wait till after the news to talk to you about it. But again, I'm going to reemphasize the fact that, you know, anything that's been recently planted tree-wise or shrub-wise, make sure that it doesn't go through any drought stress. And if you are growing chrysanthemums, you're trying to make them nice and thick and bushy, this is the time of year where you do your final pinch so you can have a more compact growth and not elongated branches. And it will increase the number of blooms that you're going to get as well. So that's on the mums. You want a next generation of uh, annual flowers? It's a good time to plant zinnias, cosmos, alyssum. I mean, pansy flowers. I don't know about growing. But uh, cleome or marigolds as well. Get them in the ground, and they'll be blooming a little bit later than some of the ones that are you know have been growing up to this point. So... Anyway, all kinds of stuff going on in the outdoors. There's no getting around it, and uh, it's very nice. Perfect day to get out there and just absolutely enjoy. So spend some time. It is the eve of 4th of July, so if you want to come down for the parade, the parade does start at 10 o'clock, and uh, so get down here. Parking on the street is going to be very minimal, so plan on uh, parking in garages and things along that line. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news.
now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it is a garden hotline tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving it shortly. But right now, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, thanks Yo. for sharing uh, the pictures of the hummingbirds Yes, in your, at the feeders. That they was are really neat. Busy, yes. busy, busy, busy. <laughs> right, on yeah. the way north. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like they're just going to hang around. This is just a stop. Well, off. they do for a while. They got yeah. here on uh, We Went Blues Day, oh. June 12th, of course. You know that. Right. Uh, that's when most of them got here. <laughs> and since then, it's been crazy. And now they are emptying the feeders every day. have to feed them every day. got to fill them up. And boy, you can stand right next to them, and they will just buzz all around you. It's <laughs> That's and then great. we were sitting there, and there, there's like they they just fly right next to you. Like, ooh, that was close, and she's like, yeah, that was close, you know. So it, yeah, they're so much fun. Yeah, so much I've, fun. We've had a couple, and they've goats for Lantana that I have growing. So oh, really? Yeah, I don't have any hummingbird feeders, so mm-hmm. they they come buzzing into the yard and. They start looking around and see if they can find something, and, oh, there's some lantana. And then they head over and do some Oh, lantana. that's neat. But, uh, you know, related to the birds, you know, I feed my uh, birds, as far as seed goes, onto the sidewalk. And yeah. The other night I got up and, you know, to kind of stretch and everything else. I forget what time it was. But I looked out the window, to, you know, towards the sidewalk, and I saw a possum oh, eating no. bird seed. Oh. I didn't know possums ate bird seed. I didn't yeah. know exactly what they ate. Yeah. But it was really kind of surprising because we have, you know, some in the neighborhood, they live in, I guess, in the stormwater, you know, intakes. But mm-hmm. uh, it was real surprising. And then I, a couple hours later, I got back up again to just kind of stretch. And he was still out there. Really? Yeah. So I don't know if he ate the whole time or she ate. But... Sure he just wasn't playing possum? <laughs> really? Yeah, they come up to our feeders. At, they'll come up in the evening. Really? And I've, I've come out and found them out there. See, yeah. I, you know, I don't ever yeah. remember seeing them eat birdseed for really? some reason. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're not as destructive as the, the raccoons. No. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they'll come out. They'll they'll pick up on those uh, those seeds. Right. It's yeah. amazing. Thieves. They're thieves. <laughs> I I think they look like Stan Kroenke. You look at them. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Brian. You bet. And thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, cares, ups and downs, and all arounds. Oh, and Brian also showed me a pair, uh, p- couple pictures of the pansies they still have in bloom in their yard as well. And uh, so annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but again, please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is producing, so he's across the big board. He answers the phone. If you do call, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. I do landscape consulting, and I call it a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home, uh, you can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. On the homepage, that's my email address and phone number are listed. So I come over to your home and share 40-plus years of uh, professional experience as well as just common sense sometimes. And uh, 
and can work on helping you with some of the design scenarios, plants, care, maintenance, and everything else. Tip of the trials is special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to whoever, and I'm sure it was multiple people, that is coordinating this parade today. I mean, it's just amazing, as I did the Good Gardening stroll down there, you know, on the let's say the east side of the uh, the route and how many things were just being done at that one time. And just this whole thing just seems going to, it's going to be unbelievable. It's a two hour parade and it's going to be probably totally fantastic. We can see all kinds of people heading in that direction in cars, walking and everything else heading up towards union station, because that's where the actual the parade is going to end. And so anyway, tip of the trial goes out to everybody that helped coordinate the parade on this 4th of July Eve. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Why don't we take a couple calls before we take a break? Let's head over to Cheryl's yard. Hi, Cheryl. Hello, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. Hey, I have a big white hydrangea in my backyard. It's probably 12 to 15 years old, and it's um, I need to cut it back or, or divide it or something because it's now flowing over my stone wall there and it, into the yard. And I don't know how to go about doing that or when to do that. Uh, is it in bloom right now? Yes, it's finishing up right now. Right. So basically what you want to do is just next year or probably in the fall, I don't know exactly what you want to do as far as, you know, reducing the size if you want to go all the way around. But, uh, yeah, they are clump Yeah, growers. I'd probably like to go all the way around because it leans up against the house. Okay. And, the, the you know, the stems and roots are all the way to my stone border wall there. So I need to reduce the size and, and the diameter at the base as Right. Well. So basically what I would do is since they're colonizers, they continuously get bigger and bigger and bigger by putting new twigs on the perimeter. I would say go out there and go all the way around and cut off basically right at ground level, a, a bunch of the stems until you can get it to the okay. size that of what you want. And timing-wise, it doesn't really matter because the ones you're cutting off, you're not wanting to, It's not gonna. they're not going to do any growth or flowering or anything anyway because they're going to be gone. But cut them off right at okay. ground level. Okay. All right. That sounds great. Thank you very much. And you can do it whenever you really want to. It's not, you know, it's not problematic as far as, you're going to interrupt the flowering for next year because, again, these stems are going to be gone. Right, because they only grow on the old stems, the new flowers, correct? Right, exactly. Right. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Thank you for the information. Sure. And now let's jo- go over to Swansea and in Anna's yard. Hi, Anna. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, Mike, I bet this is so ridiculous because I should know about these things. But I've got some wine and roses bushes that I always have. These were uh, about five years old. But after they quit blooming, I was supposed to cut that back, wasn't I? Uh, it's a little, you know, you're talking about shrub-type roses, correct? Yes. Wine, it, it, the bush is called uh, well, wine and roses. It's Wagila. I guess it's... Um, all I, I usually know it is by wine and roses. Um, it blooms in the springtime, 
and and then the uh, the bulb, the, the uh, flowers fall off, and right. then I think I'm supposed to cut it back about uh, three inches. Is Wagila sound right? Uh, you, I mean, that could be the case. With any type of rose, it's only going to bloom for one, you know, one time a year. So basically, you're growing it. You are going to get those flowers once, but for the most part, you're growing it for the leaves. So just realize that. Yeah, I understand that, but I mean, uh, it's getting they're getting pretty big. You know, if I would cut it back a little bit, uh, would that prevent flowers from coming back next year? Uh, yeah. Basically, what you yeah, that's what you should do is go ahead and. If you've got some longer stems that you want to cut, maybe as far as the overall thing is look at it. If you've got, let's say, six or seven canes coming up out of the ground that are longer than all the rest of them, cut those off and leave all the the shorter ones in place rather than just trying Mm -hmm. to cut it, you know, cut it off all at the same height all the way around. So just remove some of the longer, older canes. Oh, okay. And I have another question about a, um, I don't know whether it's a decorative cherry tree or a decorative peach tree. I forgot. <laughs> After I put it, it's a, it's a tree that where the, the uh, leaves uh, uh, hang low. After they fly also, and then it just, it's pretty. Well, Anna, getting... we're having a real hard time understanding you, so could you, you know, give us a call Hold back a minute. little bit later if you could. Let me. T- well, how about this? Okay, I don't know. That's much better because you were really. Raspy. Oh, I had my. I had my. Um, whatever. What do you call it? I had anyway. I'm. I'm just talking out of the phone now. Um, this is. I think it's a decorative. Uh, it's either a decorative cherry or a decorative peach tree. Okay. I think it's a cheese. A cherry though. Where the leaves uh, after. The leaves hang down low. You know, they do. It could be over. a weeping cherry, yes. Okay. Uh, when can I cut those off? Basically, any of the I branches, mean, you know, you can cut them off. All you're going to do is reduce the amount of flowering for the next year. And, okay. you know, don't do it in the, going into the heat of the summertime. Wait till we're coming out of summer sometime in, let's say, September, October. Oh, September, October. Okay. I got you. Thank you. I'm so sorry that I had my um, speaker thing on. I guess uh, it didn't sound very well on you, with, at your end. Yeah, no. But anyway, happy happy 4th of July. Well, thank you. Thanks, Anna. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go, and we're headed over to Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Mike, um, I have some golden creeping sedum that I bought. It'll be two years ago this fall, and it has spread nicely. But in the last month, a problem has developed. If I have a clump of it, in the middle of the clump, the sedum has gotten so large, it is folding over to the edges, and I, in essence, have kind of got like bare spots there. They're not bare, but all I have are brown stems. Can I trim that back? Yeah, you can. Okay, well, well, the browns, the top half of these stems are green with the leaves, and so on. the bottom half are brown. Will those brown stems regenerate growth? Right, exactly. That's what you're going to do. And the part that you're cutting off, if you want to, I have, you know, some types of sedum, too. And basically what I do is have, when I have a circumstance like that, 
the top that I've cut off, which, you know, is, looks good and everything else, I just dig a small hole and just plant it in, you know, another location. Oh, wow, that would be great. Yeah, okay. Does it make any difference if the stuff is starting to flower now if I cut this stuff off? Uh, basically, you're going to kind of interrupt the flowering because the top that you're cutting off is, you know, and it, it will probably go ahead and flower. But if you want to wait until afterwards, you can mm-hmm. do that. And with sedums, I'm only suggesting doing it with a sedum because it's so tough. Normally, you wouldn't want to do it going into, let's say, the worst part of summertime. But since this plant is tough, you can do it. If you want to wait until, let's say, mid to late August and just do it at that time and live with it as it is right now for the next two months, you could do that as well. Oh, that's great. Mike, thank you so much for your help. I do appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. Okay, have a good day. Yep, you too. And now let's head over to Bernice's yard. Hi, Bernice. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I've got a question about foster hollies. I've uh, planted some to make a barrier screen, um, and there's some of them are like 12 foot tall now, and I'd like to cut off the tops, hopefully to stimulate them getting thicker. Uh, would now be a good time to do it? No. Uh, two foot off? No, don't do it going into, you know, summertime for broadleaf evergreens is the worst time to do any kind of pruning at all because the, the okay. branches that are remaining are going to get sunburnt and the foliage can fall off. And I will tell you, foster holly are never thick. So regardless of what you do to them, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of dramatic change to, the, let's say, the fullness of the overall plant. Okay, but I really would like just to limit them getting too tall. Right. Uh, they're kind of in the shadow of a huge, huge old uh, oak tree. Okay. And the ones that are on one end are really short that are right directly, you know, six feet from the oak tree, and the other ones are getting taller. So right. I kind of like to make them more uniform in size. Sure, you can certainly So when do would that. be the best time to cut them? Okay, uh, when would be the best time to cut? Uh, basically, the ideal time would be coming out of wintertime, but uh, you could okay. do it going into wintertime. So sometime... Let's say in the September, October, you could do it then, or you could wait until do it uh, sometime around Valentine's Day. Okay. Well, same time I cut down the uh, decorative grasses. Right, exactly. Day. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for this show and your advice, and have a happy 4th of July. Well, same to you. Thank you. And uh, let's go over to Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Um, hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. I have three... Um, smaller hydrangeas, I think Bobo was the name of the variety, and we planted them in 2018 and probably shouldn't have put them where they were because it's, our yard is generally wet, and this mm. is a fairly fairly wet location. So um, for the past three years, though, they've, they've come back, and but this year, the one in probably the wettest location, and they're, and they're right next to each other, the one in the middle... Um, had about half of it dying back. And they usually green up pretty late anyway. Right. So I waited a while just to see uh, how much would come back. And the two on either side now, they're, they're about 30 inches in height and width, and they've got, they're flowering, they're doing well. But the one in the middle, um, I had to cut about half of it off because it was dead, and um, it does have some green growth, but it's not wonderful. And I'm afraid that maybe next year you know, will be, this could be its last year. So I'm wondering, would it be terrible, since I have a feeling I have nothing to lose at this point, to try to just dig it up and to elevate it a little bit? And how would I go, if it 
was a good idea. How would I go about doing that? Well, you could do it, but it's not to do it to go into summertime is not going to be the best thing to do. So, okay, I would say don't just don't and maybe try it in the fall. Right, exactly. And then when you dig it up, since it's fairly close to the other two, I would put some potting mix in with some of the regular soil, or should I put gravel down under there, do you think? Uh, probably I would get uh, maybe some some good topsoil you know, combination mix and mix it in with the existing soil. To soil, try to, okay. Don't, try to, don't, do, don't do potting mix or something along that line. Don't do potting mix, okay. Right. So try to do like a topsoil with compost. Right, exactly. Would uh, St. Louis compost have the right thing if I told them what I was trying yeah. to do? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. And you can probably, use... all you'll need is probably a bag, so you're not going to have to right. get a big bunch of it. Okay, and you don't think I need to put any rock down there or anything? No, that's not going to help. Okay. All right. Okay, uh, one other quick question. Do you have an opinion of drip irrigation systems? Well, it depends upon what you're using them for. Well, like in the planting beds around your home, your foundation planting. Uh, you know, I, they're a little bit too iffy for me. I yeah. Just, yeah. I think if you have a greenhouse or if you're trying to grow specific type things, uh, like let's say vegetables, tomatoes, and something along mm-hmm. that line, yes. But for foundation plantings, you know, regular type trees and shrubs, I don't think they're adequate. Yeah, I I agree, and plus there is the iffiness, as you say, and we found out after we have one that maybe it's just easier to water and kind of do what you think in terms of watering. Exactly. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much. Happy Fourth, Mike. Well, same to you. Yeah, the drip irrigation systems are just, our weather's just too inconsistent, and you never know, like we've had three different sort of major changes in the weather as far as the amount of moisture and stuff this year, and the drip irrigation system to try to keep up with that, uh, uh, I just don't think it can do it. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we're headed over to Andrew's yard. Hi, Andrew. Andrew, are you there? Hello, hello? Yes, go ahead. You're speaking to me? Yes. Okay. Are you speaking in a speaker? Use your no, phone. I'm speaking on a, on a regular phone. Okay. Phone. Go ahead. You, you, you're not able to hear me very well? Well, it's, it's very staticky. Oh, I wonder why. Because I'm on the, uh, what do you call it? The type of wall. Well, just go ahead and ask you. Know. Um, okay. Um, first, I want to say that I was surprised when you said that you're going to be 72 this month. Yes. La- actually, last month. Oh, you were la- oh, you were 72 last month. Yes. Yeah, I always thought you was in all these years. I always thought you was in your 50s. Ha, 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 ha. 50s so 20 that, years ago. Surprised. That surprised me to learn that you're 72. Okay, to my question. My sister has clover growing, growing in her backyard, and she she would like to know how to get rid of it. What would you, what would you, what could you say? Well, basically it's going to be rough because clover is very tough to get rid of, 
and she's going to have to use an herbicide and stay on top of it. It may take two, you know, up to two years of several applications each year during the growing season to try to get rid of it. Once it's established, it's very tough. Oh, oh, oh. she isn't going to be able to get rid of it then. Yeah, there's not too much she can do other than, and then basically during the time she's killing it off, she can't put new plants out there, like new grass seed or something like that, because then the next time she's got to spray the herbicide on the clover that's still existing, it's going to kill off the new, you know, growing grass seed. So it's going to be a real, let's say, a horrible circumstance. Mm. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Harold's yard. Hi, Harold. How are you? Very good. Uh, I live in the city. I've got about a 50-foot lot. I won't say it's beautiful, but it's nice looking. Uh, it's a lot loud. And I, I've got about four or three uh, vowel spots. I want to plug it. I want to know. I often hear you say, when you plant, you plant, uh, uh, you make the hole bigger and you plant high in the ground. Right. Do I have to plant those like that or can I plant these plugs at ground level? Take a question. And if I haven't, we don't have a nice backyard. I've cut the grass every day. My dog, my granddaughter and dog were back there. I'm going to leave Zorgia Square back there. Uh, how long? I'm a, I know I'm a compounder. How much compound is needed in a backyard? About 50 by 100. As far as you, you're talking about adding compost to the soil, you can't just lay it on top of the ground. You're going to have to mix it oh. in with the existing. Right. Mix it in with the soil. Who we'll dig we'll the soil, but how much compound? Do I need to mix it with that? Uh, it's tough to say. You know, basically what you need to do is just, uh, you know, contact com- uh, St. Louis Composting. You tell them you want about two inches over 50. You said it's only 50 square feet? Right. That's pretty small. That's 5 by 10. That's a tiny about area. 50 by 100. Oh, 50 by 100, so 5,000 square feet. So right. just so basically, just tell them you've got uh, five thousand square feet. And you want to add two inches of compost to the to the space, and they're going to mix it in with the existing soil. They'll tell you exactly how much you need. Okay. Okay. And in the first one about the plug, do I plant the ground level or do I leave uh, the ground above them? Well, you know, you don't want to plant. Just make sure that. You know, when you're digging it up to get them ready to put the, you're talking about putting plugs in, correct? Right. Yeah. So you don't want to make them. You know, you don't want to make you want to make sure that they don't sink and get lower than the you know the rest of the grass that's around them. So yes, you can plant them right at grade. Just make sure that you've worked the soil up well enough, and that will you know even if so initially they might be a little bit higher than this the surrounding sod or grass. But so, you know, right. ultimately, they're going to sink to be right at the same level. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And yeah. let's go now to Tom. And Tom lives in De Pere. Hi, Tom. 
Hey, Mike, uh, I've got a situation with uh, uh, stairs coming from my upper front yard to the lower backyard in the end at near uh, a large silver leaf maple. Uh, the, my problem is that the surface roots of the maple tree have expanded, and they make it almost unsafe to step off the steps. Right. They're so rough. Uh, uh, this is a 16-inch diameter, 30-year-old tree. Uh, if I, uh, can I clear roots out of about a three-by-three three area, the surface roots, and not hurt that tree? Well, you're t- you're, it's going to be a roll of the dice, to be honest with you, because you're saying it's surface roots, but those surface roots go, you know, they extend way out beyond the perimeter of the branching, and that's where all the feeder roots are. So it just depends upon the overall health of the tree, how important these particular you know root systems are in relationship to the you know to the remainder of the tree. So you can go ahead and do it, but you may be doing you may be sending it downhill. It may work out fine. There's no way to know until you just go ahead and try it if you want. Okay. So that, I mean, there's no way to speculate that oh you should be okay, it should be fine, it should be this, it should be that. You might okay. it may work out just perfectly. Okay, so take my chances. Yes, okay. exactly. Well, I'd like a better answer, but I probably got the best one I can get. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could give you. Oh yeah, everything will be just perfect. Blah 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 blah. No, I mean realistically. Okay. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yeah, I've got a question uh, about the use of horticultural vinegar. I have a dry creek bed in my backyard to control rain uh, runoff, and I have a uh, stone uh, patio. Is it safe to use that? I have dogs, and we also walk out on the patio uh, barefooted. Is it okay to use the horticultural vinegar? Because I find that it works real well at killing uh, vegetation. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pre- it's pretty organic, so... I mean, uh, it's uh, it's not necessarily the vinegar that you're going to put on any kind of food or in a salad or something, but you should be fine. It it won't hurt the dog or anything no. if, as long as you let it let it dry before you walk out on it. Right, exactly. Like okay, all right. I find it really works well, and again, it's it's not harmful to the environment, is what I like about it. But right, it's exactly. Cultural vinegar. 35% acid, so that is safe to use around yeah, humans after it dries and everything. Yeah, you should be fine. You, the only thing, let's say, if you've just applied it and you had a cut on the bottom of your foot and you're walking around barefoot, it might sting a little bit, but that's about all you can you know, think that might be oh. the worst thing possible. Okay. All right. I thank you very much. Sure. And have a good weekend. Yeah, you do the same. And now let's go over to Jill's yard. Hi, Jill. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you? Good. Uh, my question is that my son has a sugar maple in his yard, and um, just recently it started showing little pinhead-sized brown spots on the leaves. Can you tell me what's going on? Is it being overwatered, or is that normal? No, it's not necessarily normal, but it's nothing to be overly concerned with. So... It's, you know, there's nothing that you're going to be able to apply to prevent that. It's just the weather and everything else in this particular tree in that location, that's why it happened. Some years it may happen again. Some years it may be a long time before it does happen again. But it's not, okay. it's not something to be overly concerned with. 
Okay. Not a matter then of water or insects or anything like no, that. No, it's you know not at all. It's basically it's a you know it's a foliar type disease, but uh, an application of anything you know fungicide this time of year is not going to make any difference. So just okay. uh, if all he's right. a little bit overly concerned with it in the future, an application of a fungicide earlier in the year before you know while this is getting itself set up, that would be about the only thing you could do. Is that a liquid yeah, that's poured right. in at the base of the of the trunk? No, this is something you probably have to spray on the leaves as they're coming out and emerging in the spring. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, let's see. Let's take a break. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Back to the phones we go, and we're headed over to Eric's yard, and he lives in St. Charles. Hi, Eric. Hey, good morning, Mike. Can you hear me okay? Yes. All right. So last fall, I bought a couple of those, like, 12-inch hardy mums and planted them. Wasn't sure if they were going to take, and they did. And a couple of weeks ago when you signed off, you talked about pruning the mums back. Right. I had no idea what that meant. And so now I, I see that they're starting to bloom, and I'm like, oh, gosh, is that bad, or what should I do? Well, so I've never had them before. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just what you do is by pinching them, and you do it a, a series of like three or four pinches stir, starting when they are like three or four inches high in the springtime. You pinch about an inch off. Then you, you wait for another couple of weeks, and you do it again and again with the final pinching being around the 4th of July. What that does is make sure that you're going to have bloom in the fall because that's what we think about mums. Mums, historically, are sunflowers. They really want to bloom in the summertime. By the pinching, we force them to bloom later on. Oh, okay. So it's it's, it's doing exactly what it would do if I left it alone. And right, so exactly. I, if, I maybe, if I maybe cut a little bit off now, even though it's starting to bloom, I still may get some fall bloomage. Nah, if they're already starting to bloom, then the the whole, let's say, chemistry of the plant is headed in that direction. And so pinching it off, you're just going to eliminate potentially flowers that might, flower buds that might be there. Gotcha. So so probably just let it, let it go and then uh, do better next year. Exactly. Okay. And then hens and chicks, I bought uh, some in planters this year. Do you take them in or leave them out all year? Uh, it depends upon the variety. You know, for the most part, hen and chicks... They're not really hardy, but some of them are. It just, you have to look, you know, hopefully you kept a tag. You can look at specifically what variety that you have and just go online and see if it is a hardy variety. Or if you got it from a garden center and you know where that was, just call them and say, I've bought the hen and chicks from you. Is this a hardy variety? For the most part, they can take it, but, you know, it just depends. Okay. So probably just find a place with a decent amount of sunlight, and they'll do okay in the inside then over right, the fall. Exactly. All right. Well, perfect. Thank you so much. Sure. And use a potting mix for you know cactus. So really well drained potting mix, and watch out about overwatering. Okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. And now let's go over to Don's yard. Hi, Don. Good morning, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I I have a problem with uh, bagworms on my arborvitaes. I lost two two to three of them a couple of years ago because I wasn't aware of the nature of 
what was killing them. And I was told that there is a spray or something or a solution that you can put on the Arbor Bites, and I like to know what I could use and what, what time of year to use them because I'm, I see now where they're beginning to form on a few of them right now. They're very small, and I'm pinching them back, Right. So, you know, uh, trying to pick them off. And it's quite a job trying to pull them all back, and I got about nine of them. Hmm. And so uh, I come to you for help. Yeah, basically you've got the spray only kills them when they're recent hatchings. So that's going to be earlier in the spring. You're just going to have to watch them and watch, you know, individual bags because those are full of eggs. You know, they go go through the wintertime. And then when they hatch, they come out of the bag. Then the insecticide will work. Just to spray anything on them now would do nothing. So pulling them off, what you're doing, and that's the best thing you can possibly do. I see. So, so I'm almost going to have to watch them. Next Almost. spring, right. So start watching them uh, probably yeah, mid, to, mid to late April or mid to late March and just watch them on a regular basis almost daily. And then you'll see them because they look like little bitty individual like bagworms that are crawling along the branches. That's when you can kill them when they're that age. I see. Because one of them is starting from the bottom of the tree working its way up, but they all over one tree. Right. And they pretty he- it's a pretty they pretty healthy right now, you know, but right. uh, I want them before they get too invasive, you know. Right. But, so uh, you're just gonna have to watch them next year. So 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 start picking them all the rest of the is nothing you can use right now. No. Until nothing will when. penetrate the bag. Okay, until what time of year next year to start spraying them? It's going to be weather dependent, but start watching in mid to late March, you know, for the one for the hatchings, because basically those bags are just filled with eggs that hang on through the winter time. And they hang on till the winter time, and yeah. then they fall off. Okay. Well, they don't I... fall off. No, they never fall off. So oh. the bags are hanging there full of eggs. Yes, and in sir. the springtime, those eggs that are in that bag will hatch. They will come climbing, uh-huh. crawling out. That's when you can spray an insecticide to kill them. All right. Okay. Now, is it too late to uh, uh, put uh, fertilizer on your annual plants? You no, know what you mean? should your be fertilizing your annual hand. plants every two weeks, every two weeks throughout the entire growing season. Oh, Okay. So thanks, All Don. Right, All right, then. And thank you so very much. Sure. All right, then. Bye-bye. Bye. And, uh, Rich, could you do it kind of quick? I can, Mike. I planted some um, burning bushes last fall, and they came out okay this spring, but uh-huh. once it started to warm up, the leaves are turning almost like a rust-colored. They're not falling off, which is encouraging, but just wondering why they're looking like they're looking this year. Probably just because they don't have a well-established root system enough. And I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. It's just, uh, you know, kind of the process of them getting acclimated to the new home in your yard. Great. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And, you know, thanks to everybody else. Sorry, John and Carol, we're not going to be able to get to you. Uh, But uh, hopefully I'll be here next week. And maybe if you have some questions, we can talk. But I want to thank everybody that's coming and 
you know, for calling in and everything else, but also all the people that are coming down. I don't know how many people they're anticipating for this parade, but we still see the traffic just pouring in. So if you're headed in this direction, just be patient because there's going to be tangles and mangles of traffic and everything else. And it's supposed to be something enjoyable. So, and the weather is absolutely perfect. So just uh, happy 4th of July Eve and then tomorrow 4th of July. So Mike Miller, KMWX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 